So Josh and I were fishing, right? And we were at the marina and you have all the docks to the left and there's like a little like outcropping of rocks that make like a path that go like 10, 15 feet into the water, right? Yeah. So we're sitting out there and I'm just kind of like watching my bobbers, watching my poles vibing. And I see something in the water swimming towards me. And I shit you not, it looks like a catfish. It's breached the surface and it's swimming right at me. Oh, wow. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And, I, and it was a fucking mink. Because like it came up on land and saw me and turned around and ran back in the water. And if you don't know what a mink is, it's a, it's a ferret, basically. It's a wild ferret. That bitch, I think I was standing on its home because it came back three times. It would like swim up to me and like get up on land and look at me and then hop back in the water and run away. I thought I was going to have to fist fight a ferret that night. Wow. Couldn't catch fish, but you caught a ferret. No, I did that. Yeah, you're right. But uh, yeah, I was, he was taunting me. I kept hearing like splashing and wet feet behind me and I turn around and he wouldn't be there. Yeah, that would have fucked. That would have fucked me completely out of wanting to be there. I think I was standing like I think he lived in that like outcropping of rocks. He was like, "These motherfuckers are still here." Well, especially after like you're there during, right? And I didn't know ferrets were wild in Ohio. Um, I don't know if it is exact. It's that's how it was described to me, and it looked like a ferret, but it was also wet and dark. I'm gonna look up a picture. Take a picture. It is literally, yeah, it's literally a fucking ferret. <laughs> well, there's like a, but they're just like, they, they look like ferrets dressed as otters. They have like an otter color and an otter looking skin, like fur, but they look like ferrets. Mm. Um, and they can carry COVID apparently. That's nice. Yeah. But I didn't know what it was, but I saw it was like a mink reserve area right beside the harbor the marina whatever it is so i was like it had to be a mink so that's my working theory i was harassed by a mink actually yeah yeah i'm with it now i'm hip i'm happening um yeah we took two weeks off huh yeah we did but you know that first week we uh went fishing we had some uh intentions to try and do like a, a live fishing episode like kind of like a special you know and then uh we got there and the setup was um not it rather unfortunately inclined on a bed of gravel yeah it was a, it was a pretty steep incline we were sitting yeah. on and we were like flattening the gravel uh on this pretty nice slope trying to just get a decent uh spot for, for our chairs to sit somewhat level but yeah if it was an entire night of leaning forward uh <laughs> casting and recasting for nothing but nibbles and talking to some old dude and his i'm assuming grandson yeah or slave you know like yeah. captive maybe is a better word i think the kid was pretty well adjusted if that's I the see. case he seemed happy enough right mm-hmm yeah, I would still like to do that sometime to do a live fishing episode. I think that'd be. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't um, be live, the, but it'd be live yeah. for us, live like, together. Yeah, live, all three of us together. Um, we're very close to doing that, but uh, there's another fishing spot that we can do next time. The marina would be great. Convenient. Yeah, just set up on the concrete. Yeah. So. Yeah. But that night was um, a lot of money in the hole for not a lot of return, but except yeah. 
you know, we had a we had a really nice night. I mean, the weather was perfect. The moon was out. Um, clear the skies. Had a lot of vibes going. You know, good company, good snacks. That was that was the highlight of the evening. The was snacks just being, was... was being together and eating snacks. So <laughs> fat kid shit. Yeah, you know, <laughs> fat guy energy. If you uh, didn't pick up on that. Oh, we also ran off of John and his hooker that night. Oh yeah, when we first pulled up, the boy was, was getting dude. that sloppy toppy. Yeah, the dude was. <laughs> He was totally getting his salami stick drooled on. And uh, when we pulled up, he stuck his head out the window, turned and looked at us and did a double take. We're like, yeah, no, we're parking here. We're we're, we're getting gonna, out. <laughs> we're going to go do actual shit like fish here and not have hookers suck our dick. So. What, and what's funny is they just went up the road and turned left onto a dead end road and parked there instead. <laughs> He's probably like, does this does this drive count as my that, half hour? Or? That's uh right. That's all the uh you know that's all GTA ever tried to teach us when picking up properties. <laughs> Find a nice, quiet, secluded area away from where other people may end up ever being. Obviously, they were at a reservoir out in the middle of BFE. Probably figured they were safe, but but two different sets of people showed up: us and that old man and the kid. So it's like, yeah, no, I mean, if it wasn't. If it wasn't us, it was going to be him. So, I mean, he's going to take off regardless. Mm-hmm. I don't even feel bad. No, not, not even a little bit. No bitches? Go, go get a fucking hotel room or something. <laughs> you can barely afford the sloppy toppy. You can't afford a hotel on top of it. You can't in B-Sirens. I wonder what the rates are like. Go out behind the Hardy's dumpster. And oh, <laughs> Do it the classy way. Have That's dumpster amazing. sex. Sounds yummy, doesn't it? And then, uh, so yeah, the fishing not a huge success, but it was fun. And then last week was a uh, just a big fail, so it was life things, shitty weekends. So here we are today, we're doing it, doing our thing, doing the thing, doing the thing. It's funny, we usually miss two weeks at a time, and we rarely miss one week, it's always. Too. Yeah, if we're, if we're missing one, we're missing two. <laughs> Takes two weeks to get over it. Yeah. <laughs> but next time we would have a supposed miss, we'll, we'll actually record something. We'll make sure everyone knows that too ahead of time and brings everything that they need because Josh didn't have his headphone. He had to borrow a pair from you if we were going to do mm-hmm. it. But uh, no, I... Uh, I look forward to doing that eventually, but in the meantime, it is standard business, standard crew, minus one, and that is going to be none other than Josh being absent again, so you have Tyler and I to deal with. Yay! Welcome to Unwise Analysis. Yeah, I don't know. How are you doing doing tonight? Are we good tonight? Are you good? I'm fucking vibing, bro. Vibing. I'm good. I had a long day. I went fishing today. Uh, had to walk half a mile to the fishing spot with all my shit. No. And my two kids. Fuck, hard, dude. Hard pass. It was hot as hell today. 
that fish for like 30 minutes and was like, nah, fuck this. This isn't it. No. And then come to find out there was a parking spot right next to the pond. I walked a half a mile to. And it's like, damn. Well, that's how you know it wasn't a real fishing spot. No. no. Oh, there was some cool little hobby airplanes flying around. Oh. I say a little, but that bitch had like a six foot wingspan. And it was like shooting smoke out the back. He was like drawing shit in the sky. It was wild. Maybe a local uh, airplane thing going on. It, it might have been like or... a show. It's apparently common there because like the trail I was on was breaking the rules. It said the uh, trail closed when uh, hobby avian aviationists at flying or something like that. And they were um, flying, but I was fishing. So. Yeah, you can't, they can't expect you to just drop everything you're doing because there's some planes in the sky. That's what the sign said. The sign said, yeah. don't come. And I came. I came everywhere. The down started coming. They didn't know what hit them. Uh, so tonight, we're going to be diving into uh, well, a healthy little uh, variety of things. And uh, the first one that's going to kick it off for us tonight is a uh, very fascinating story on a very fascinating man known none other as D.B. Cooper. So where did you first hear about this? Do you know, like, where you saw it first? Um, So I was at this rave inside my dad's testicles. Hilarious. Just kidding. Uh, honestly, um, I don't know. Probably heard about it or knew a little bit about it in my uh, high school career. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Um, me, one of my favorite movies as a child, and not a children's movie, is Without a Paddle. You ever seen that? No. It's like uh, four best friends. One of them dies from cancer or something. And, like, they had this plan to go find D.B. Cooper's money as kids. And then the three of them go to do it. It's a comedy. It has, like, uh, Seth Green. Yeah, I know the movie. I just yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, like, that was my first introduction to it. And then it just popped back into my head, like, three weeks ago when I brought it up. And hmm. I was like, that'd be fun. So I figured. Um, and, honestly, it's a lot more crazy than it, like, seemed. Like, it's already a crazy story. And then there's just so much like weird shit around it. It's one of those events in time, like the Kennedy assassination or fucking, I don't know, where there's just all what, kinds of weird conspiracies floating around around the event that are not actually connected to it. What what year did it happen again? <clears throat> 1971. It was on November 24th. Um, like, what was that? Thanksgiving Eve of 1971. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember it was in the 70s. I remember 70 being part of it. That's pretty fascinating for something like that to happen back then, man. Boy, it was so much easier back then. Like, you didn't even need ID to get the plane ticket. You just told them your name as they wrote on there. Well, I'm saying just in general, because, I mean, I, I know that the 70s and even the 60s were pretty violent decades but that was because you had a vietnam war going on and a war uh against race on the homeland but like domestic terrorism probably wasn't even like 
you know, what it is today by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And you're right. You know, in a post 9 11 world, when you hear plane hijackings, I mean, that's that's the first place your mind kind of draws to is 9 11. It's 9 11. Right? Um, and just the significance of that alone makes this uh, DB Cooper thing seem kind of PG at the end of the day, I guess. Yeah, but because there's no, no one was hurt or injured. There's no mass casualties. There was no, just, it was just him taking weird. people hostage for money. So, you know what? They didn't even know they were hostage. Like, there was no. So, let's just like hop into it, right? So, Thanksgiving Eve of 1971, uh, middle aged man dressed up in a nice suit, carrying a little black briefcase, went to the flight counter at Northwest Orient Airlines in Portland International Airport, bought his <clears throat> ticket under the name Dan Cooper. That's actually like DB Cooper comes from a miss right like some some fbi agent shitty handwriting of dan cooper it was like someone thought it was db cooper so that's what the media picked up and that's where it I came guess. from uh, that wasn't even his real name right and we're thinking like we as like i'm part of the community or something no yeah. one thinks that dan cooper is his real name because apparently during the time there's this canadian comic book about a superhero named dan cooper who's like a 007-esque superhero. And like the big issue or the main issue is him like jumping out of a flaming airplane with a bunch of money. So like people, like there's like apparently a lot of, I've never looked into the comics, but apparently there's a lot of like similarities between some of these comics and the D.B. Cooper heist. Oh, he was just living out his dreams, man. Fuck, yeah. People think like revenge or to escape like fake his death or just just for the money but i don't know it has kind of i don't know it's just such a weird so he purchased his ticket for a 30 minute trip to seattle tacoma international for fucking 22 dollars can you believe that i mean i know it's only a 30 minute trip but like 22 bucks for an airline ticket that's crazy 71 that was probably 100 bucks man yeah you're right uh so he boarded the airplane with his briefcase and a brown paper bag, took a seat at the back of the plane, and ordered a bourbon and 7-Up. I've never had bourbon and 7-Up. Have that you had? sounds like an awful baby boomer thing. It's really funny. They described him as him being a middle-aged man in his mid-40s, wearing a black or brown business suit, black raincoat, a thin black tie, and a white shirt. Apparently, there's a lot of discrepancy on whether he's wearing a tie or not. I listened to a whole like 45 minute podcast about why he couldn't have been wearing a tie. So that was a that, wasted 45 the fact, minutes. The fact <laughs> that someone was able to kill 45 minutes talking about that alone hurts my soul. <laughs> uh, the flight was only about one third of the way full. And like shortly after takeoff, he handed this stewardess name. Florence, uh, uh, they're actually flight attendants, stewardess back then. Uh, She was like across from him in a a jump seat and he handed her a note and she just like put it in her purse thinking it was some, you know, lonely businessman trying to get get something. And then like he leans over and he's like, miss, you better look at that note. I have a bomb. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. And like the note just said, Miss, I have a bomb in my briefcase and I want you to sit by me. So she did. And like he opened his briefcase long enough for her to 
catch a glimpse of the bomb and she described it as red cylinders with wiring and a like a timer like a device they were just road flares right he said it was just like a quick a quick little glance but it was enough to like convince her it was a bomb yeah but road flares can do the same thing oh definitely i mean if you don't like if you don't know yeah because here's the thing the shock factor alone of her having to think about the possibility of there being a bomb on that plane is gonna and then him just flashing a bag with like some wires and red tubing in it i mean yeah you, you're yeah, not going to know if that was ever a real bomber, and, and, I, and, really, and I and I have a I have a feeling it wasn't. I'm and you're gonna, not yeah. you're not going to go. Nah, no, you don't. That's fake. You're not going to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, you got to take shit like that seriously. You know, just because I mean, we had like two bomb threats in my entire like school career, mm-hmm. and even though they ended up just being pranks, they take that shit seriously. Yeah, they do. Uh, so he he started making demands to her she wrote it down and carried it to the cockpit where it was given to uh captain scott apparently he has a lot about him he's like a great pilot very cool column collected there's a point uh during the landing where the fbi is like fiddle fucking around trying to make up a plan to seize the plane and he's like you guys need to stop fucking around our lives are at stake here and I, he's and i listened to him in a podcast and he's like I did. I did yell at the FBI, and that's one of my proudest moments. And I thought that was like hilarious. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you, you can't, yeah. When you're in that type of scenario, sitting around and waiting for the FBI to think of the most appropriate way to approach this, is, it's got me nerve wracking. Apparently, this is on the, I didn't research this other case enough, but this is on the heels of there was a hijacking maybe a year prior where some important person's like in the airline industry's daughter was killed because the FBI just opened up fire on the plane. The dude was in and they're the ones who killed her. So like, there's a lot of like bad blood and stuff circulating around the FBI and handling these hijackings at the time. Mm -hmm. But he requested $200 in a knapsack by 5 PM. He wanted two front parachutes, two back parachutes, and he wants the money in negotiable American currency. Uh, he wanted it all in twenties. Oh, <clears throat> then why. he started making more demands that he uh, demanded fuel trucks were to meet the plane when they landed in Seattle, and then everyone was to remain in their seats while someone brought the money out of the plane. Cooper stated he would let the passengers go once the money was on board, and that the last item to be brought aboard was the parachute. And um, he also asked her to not inform the passengers. So, like like she okay so he wanted her to remain by his side and wanted nobody to tell the passengers these people had no idea and she sat with him the whole flight like the whole time she only left his side to retrieve the money and then at the end when he sent her back up to the cockpit and she described him as friendly like nobody on the plane like apparently this is like hearsay but apparently people were like talking and making jokes with db cooper because they assumed that he was like some kind of VIP because he had a briefcase, he's wearing a suit and the flight attendant was giving him a lot of special attention. So everyone like just assumed it's some cool guy and they're like cracking jokes and shit, which is crazy to me. Um, 
None of them knew how close they were. She the said battle. that, yeah, she said he appeared familiar with the local terrain. At one point he marked, it looks like Tacoma down there as they flew above Tacoma, Washington. Um, he said, he also correctly pointed out an Air Force base that was close by, and she said he wasn't nervous. He was nice. He wasn't cruel or nasty. He was cool, calm, and collected the whole time. Uh, I've seen pictures of this dude. He is a cool cat. He looks like a fed, doesn't he? Yeah, you can just tell by his picture, though. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, he went. He's he's not breaking a sweat or shit. So they uh they get to Tacoma, and he tells them to wait in the air until everything is ready. So they hold for like two hours, right? And like I, I heard that the FBI statement is everybody stayed in their seats during this time, and then all the people I heard on podcasts and such were saying that people from the flight stated they were up and allowed to move about the cabin. And a lot of people used the bathroom in the back of the plane where DB Cooper was. Oh, okay. But at this at this time the the, the FBI's uh report says that all the passengers were moved to the front of the plane and again everything i heard says that they were only a couple rows away from db cooper at this time uh Sheesh. so so then uh, they get there and they're waiting for them to get the money in the parachutes once he counts the money and is he like counts the money and checks the parachutes and he's content that things are chill and he lets all the passengers go and Again, more conflicting reports. Um, the FBI says they were released from the front of the plane by a set of by a stair truck. So, and then the back of the plane had pull down stairs, and the passengers report that they went down the pull down stairs. So there's like a lot of, you know, misconflicting reports, and this is the time where like when the passengers were off, the FBI was fucking around, and they had to bring in four separate fuel trucks because they kept malfunctioning or some other shit and like db cooper was very specific where he wanted the full fuel truck on the left side of the plane so he could see it the entire time and all this and that and then finally he's like fuck it we're going so then he oh, sorry let me back up a second while the fuelings rehabbing they're talking to the pilots in the cab front of the plane telling them to climb out the window because there's like a, a rope ladder in there that you can use to escape the front of the plane like that and mm-hmm. that the pilots refused because they weren't going to leave that 22 year old stewardess in the back of the plane by herself with this guy with a bomb. And then that's also where the whole yelling at the FBI came into place. Where he's like, let's get this shit going. Uh, Cooper wanted them to take off with the back stairs down, but he refused. So their compromise was we take, we don't pressurize the cabin all up on the stairs when we're in the air, but the flight attendant stays back here with me. And uh, they get back in the air at about 7.40 at approximately 8 o'clock. The warning light came on that the stairs were open. Uh, The pilots radioed back and asked if Cooper needed assistance. He said no. Uh, Before this, he had sent the flight up to the cockpit. And at 8.13, that was the, the last time that they heard anything from him. He said during the time with the tail section being open, they hit a batch of turbulence and it sent the plane like upward. And there was enough for the pilot had to do a correction to make it, you know, fly flat again. And then they kept radioing back to him, 
throughout the rest of the flight, never heard anything back. They land, the stairs are still open. DB Cooper and the money is nowhere to be found. Wow. And then it, it took 66 FBI agents like comb the area. Uh, says on the airline, they found fingerprints. They found his black tie, his tie clip and two of the four parachutes. Uh, he opened one of the, one of the reserve chutes up and cut away some fabric and stuff and attempt to attach the money to himself because it wasn't prevented. It wasn't provided to him in a sack that he could use. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it took the FBI something like 60 hours to get out and search the area where they think he came down. And was he, it over the U.S.? Yes, it was uh, over the Pacific Northwest in an area called the Putrid Sound. Okay. It's near Portland and like Oregon, Washington, that yeah. area. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they couldn't. They couldn't really find anything. Uh, they never saw any of the money come up, but I was they I found out like here's how they were told to check for the money. Like in modern day, the money is scanned through a money counter, and that money counter will like flag bills with serial numbers that are in system. Yeah. Every bank in the area was handed a packet of papers that were not in order, full of bill serial numbers. And they were expected to check every 20 bill they came they received against that list and nobody did that it's impossible like two like two hundred thousand dollars in 20s right um let me do that math real quick because that's a lot of fucking bills that's ten thousand bills that's ten thousand serial numbers they were given and expected to check out of order expected to check these twenty dollar bills coming in against that list you can't you can't do that that's not feasible <sighs> so they actually I mean, they actually gave him the money, though. Yeah, they gave him the. They followed like that was the airline policy was to give into demands and try to resolve the situation peacefully. Well, I mean, yeah, you've got a hundred plus souls on board. You're not going to be responsible for it over some, you know, money that someone's uh, hustling you for. Um, and then on February tenth, nineteen eighty. An eight an eight year old was was vacationing with his family on the Columbia River, uh, also known as Tina Bar. Uh, it was nine miles downstream from Vancouver, Washington. So he discovered three packets of the ransom cash, totaling around five fifty eight hundred bucks, as he raked the sandy riverbank to build a campfire. The bills had disintegrated from exposure to the elements, and they were still bundled with the rubber bands. They confirmed that it was indeed the money. They found. Uh, Two packets of $120 bills each, a third packet of 90, all arranged in the same order that was given to Cooper. So what, how, uh, the theory I heard of how the money ended up there is part, like Cooper stashed it wherever he could. Some in his pocket, some in his shirt, and a portion of it was tied around his waist, some of the, some of that paracord. Um, and he was given a military-style parachute that was like a non-controlled descent so he didn't have any kind of rigging or anything like that it was literally just a parachute and you're fucking going where you're going uh so he think people think that when he deployed that chute he lost a chunk of that money it fell down into the putrid sound and then every spring there are these massive floods down there from the snow melt off so people think that the floods carried the 
money to the river where it sank to the bottom and then was dredged out back onto the beach. That's pretty sound logic in my opinion. Yeah, it makes that made a lot of sense to me. And like this community is interesting because apparently like I listened to a bunch of podcasts of dudes talking about other dudes that I should apparently know about that I don't. But it's really interesting because everybody apparently has their own theory of who D.B. Cooper is. And like people just like they don't try to convince each other otherwise. They just like compare. And it's really weird and really interesting. But um, a lot of people think that D.B. Cooper was a special op soldier from Vietnam because apparently in Vietnam, they were using the same kind of plane that D.B. Cooper was on to drop troops and cargo. And apparently the government and Boeing were the only ones that knew that plane could take off with the stairs down. Like these people with this high clearance that were doing these missions and the people that designed the airplane are the only people that knew that that was a feature of the plane, that those back stairs could be deployed while the plane took off and deployed during flight. And then also just his cool, calm, collected nature, the way he controlled his environment and controlled the situation and just the fucking balls on this dude. Uh, I didn't remember the dude's name because I didn't do any research on him, but there was a name like that a lot of like seals and special ops guys from the time were all like, if anybody did it, it was this guy. So like people think that. And then I heard a story of this uh, transgender woman named Barb and she like was apparently just like a jack of all trades and she told these people who that who were friends that it was her and she lived like a crazy life i think she should get her own fucking episode someday because it was fucking she's db cooper she was in the merchant marines she was like non-combated but forced into combat during world war ii like because of a crash landing on one of the islands and she helped some native tribe in the Pacific Islands fight off the Japanese and like wow. all kinds of just like just an absolutely bonkers life. But uh, yeah, this is the only uh, hijacking in U.S. history that's never been solved and um, probably never will be. Um, I'm uh, I, I just with my little research, I totally want to believe that D.B. Cooper survived the fall and he just, you know, rode off into the fucking sunset with all this money down to Mexico or up to Canada or some shit. But uh, some people think that in the next 10 to 15 years, an earthquake's going to knock a skeleton with $200,000 out of a tree in the Puget Sound and someone's going to find it. Like, so, because, you know, he very well could have not survived the fall. Like, let's say he didn't have any kind of parachuting experience, for example, then. Or it could be a la without a paddle where he fell and broke his legs and died in the wilderness, you know, like. Yeah, those uh, style parachute you were discussing that he received I very easily could have just not killed off enough momentum. It's not in kind of legs. Yeah, exactly. Parachute, so. And you got to think this is like dead wilderness, like mountainous trees like i mean if let's say he was incapacitated to a certain extent where he could not be mobile it would not be unfair to assume that the local wildlife uh applied the rules of 
Darwinism to that scenario. Oh, and it was fucking November, and it was raining, so it couldn't have been warm. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, uh, it's just a, it's a super interesting case. Um, one of the guys I was just listening to before we got on here, uh, he claims that he has solved the case, and on the fiftieth anniversary this year of November twenty fourth, he's going to both recreate the DB Cooper jump to prove it can be done and give his uh, evidence that he knows who it is. And he did specify that he doesn't think there's any hard evidence. Like I, I'm kind of like, I would like to believe also that there's some fucking 90 year old man with a fucking parachute and a stack of twenties in his attic. You know what I mean? That his grandkids yeah. are going to find when he dies. Okay. Well, uh, that's, Put a couple of things into perspective real quick. First of all, the FBI has bribe money. So the bribe money has specific serial numbers on it so that it can be traced. You know, you spend some here, you spend some there, and eventually they use those serial numbers to try and trace people. They've also used them for sting operations. But I don't think they were, they probably weren't banking on him actually jumping out of the plane while in midair. Um, well, he t- yeah, he told them they, they were supposed to fly to Mexico City, but they didn't have enough fuel to fly there or whatever. But that's not why he jumped. He was obviously planning to jump. <laughs> Struggling with the threat tonight. So at any rate, um, that amount of money is not going to get you that far, especially if you're losing a bunch of it on the way down. You know? um, so, I mean, to think that you could live out your life on $200,000, uh, I mean, back then, that was... I mean, he's lucky he actually got it. I mean, that's a fuck ton of money, dude. And he could have lived off of it very nicely throughout the 70s, 80s, and 90s. But also... $1.4 million. Yeah, it's a fuck ton of money. So, I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe you could live out your life on that, especially if you invested any of it. But after you've done that, now you're a wanted man by everybody, your best chance is to stay remote and hidden for as long as possible. And then at what point, what has that money gained you other than you got it? Well, that's why I kind of like that Barb person because she was like very frugal, but always had money, never worked, was very secretive, very like off the fucking radar. One of the things they talked about is how she was so protective of her mattress. She wanted nobody in her bedroom and nobody to lay on her mattress. And apparently her mattress looked very lumpy. So they were implying that all the money was in her fucking mattress all these years. But I mean, I could see that. Like, you, you fucking completed and you're riddled with deep, aggressive anxiety of getting caught the rest of your life. You know what I mean? So you, yeah. So just swap genders, go by new pronouns, and voila. It's very uh, just a wild story, and uh, yeah. But the guy that says he has the, the the proof, he says it's not hard proof. It's not a stack of twenties. It's not a video confession by somebody because apparently dozens of people have said on their deathbeds, "I'm DB Cooper," and even more of them have said, "My dad was DB Cooper," my uncle, my cousin, my brother. You know, well, like, I tell a lie right right at the very end like that. You fucking idiot! Isn't that fucking shitty as fuck? Like, <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm we all know my stance with um religion 
but I don't, I'm, I'm probably more on an agnostic um, scale than anything else. And even though I may not necessarily believe in one thing that other people believe, I believe in something out there. So I believe in good energy and, you know, negative energy by far uh, above most other things. And, uh, you know, Hey, but it's okay. That negative energy will stick to you, man. Not if you say sorry. You can do whatever you want. As long as you say sorry, I accept you, Jesus. Right before you die, you're good. Yeah, you know, I don't... The fact... Yeah. I'm going to try it. I'll let you know. I'm going to live my life, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do that right before I go. Yeah. And we'll see if we see each other. Give, give me the... <laughs> Well, one of us is going one way, the other one's going the other. What's happening? I'm living a life of sin, just the test. What's really interesting is, like, the ancient Egyptians believed when you died, your heart was weighed um, on a scale. Kind of like a version of judgment, if you will. So, if you lay a heart on a scale, and it goes one way, they're automatically cast into a never-ending void and you're just there in this void by yourself how heavy your heart is flowing around literally (laughs) and then you know if your heart is balanced and you had you know a good positive impact on on life then you get sent to this you know great beyond where it's essentially heaven but it's not called that so it's interesting how many cultures have like there's a version of torment for those who live their life with negativity and lies and deceit and greed and you know all the terrible things that you can do as a human regardless if you repent this isn't about (laughs) forgiveness this is about how did you live your life and what type of impact did you have on people was it a positive one or was it a negative one that's a lifetime of evil cannot be washed away because you've spoken to existence your desire for forgiveness. I do not accept that. A lot and of my, men in prison would tell you you're wronged. I'm, I'm, it's fine. I understand <laughs> there's plenty of people out there who believe in what they want to believe, and I'm not here to tell them not. But I want you to know it's absolute fucking horseshit. <laughs> believe if you want, but it sucks. That's really funny. So, um, okay, you there's, did the, the that. Egyptian. Did you hear about this pharaoh they uncovered recently? His tomb was just full of cannabis products. Um, missed the second part. Knew about the first part. It was I'll have to find the can- article. Filled yeah, apparently with cannabis. it had like cannabis flour and uh, primitive like hashish. Like oh pressed hash, so, <laughs> like, so I figured, yeah, I have to find it again. Chronic by now. Oh yeah, it's aged like fine wine. Like, <laughs> you're never gonna find that again. No, it's literally it's that's literally crazy. like digging up a T Rex for the first time. <laughs> I mean, they have found ancient, you know, remnants of weed before, um, mostly in Asia, so. The fact that they're finding it in uh, Egypt is pretty exciting. 
Do you know Although, why there's no mummies since we're just tidbitting real quick? Like apparently mummies used to be way more common than what they are now. Oh, well, did they just disintegrate or what? British people ate them. People like ate in them. the in the early or late 1800s, early 1900s, they would oh. grind them up and they were supposed to be like a snake oil cure-all kind of thing for diseases. Okay. Disgusting, right? Yeah, I'm not. That's not that's not a vibe. It's not, it's not, it's not okay. It's actually um, a little, um, that's a little concerning. That's, it is. I mean, honestly. I'm a little worried about those people's health in particular. Colonial um, era Britain are is arguably some of the worst forms of humanity to exist. Uh, well, they did it to themselves with. Oh man, I hate the fact that this is coming full circle. <laughs> they did this to themselves with a little something called the Holy Crusades and initiating a dark time where wisdom and knowledge were burnt by the bonfire, and people were killed and murdered for not having the same thought processes i saw a meme in the name of god it was like a picture of like your traditional bible school jesus hugging the earth and it was like how the church says christianity spread and it was a picture of the literal crusades where they're just chopping people to bits and it says how christianity actually spread yeah i mean it was no different than any other war it was just a war on humanity it wasn't a particular person or race or country. It was literally the Catholic Church trying to seize control of as much land as possible. That was a part of a large chunk of human history where war was just inbred dudes fighting over turn. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> our early history, um, especially in that time period, is very, very violent. Um, we spent very little time being deliberate or attempting to negotiate or use rhetoric over violence and um, we lost a lot of knowledge in that time the plague didn't help either Um, so I mean yeah there's there's probably things that we had some minor setbacks on oh we haven't recovered from of course yeah yeah I mean I mean, it didn't happen during this time period, but look at Nikola Tesla. I mean, he we have drawings and schematics of things that, you know, he was responsible for designing. Um, some of them work. I think some of them are too complex for people to understand what's going on. He did Tesla dirty in so many ways, dude. We should do an episode on that sometime, too. I think we've discussed it before. Um, I can't remember what episode or We why. talked about him killing elephants, didn't we? Like with his... Am I making that up? Maybe. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So Tesla, I mean, it's another great example of um, literally just priceless knowledge getting tossed to the wind. And I mean, it sounded like we lost him at a young age. Um, he was just considered an outcast and was pushed away by his fellow peers and uh, banks and investors and everything else. He wanted to give the world free energy, Tyler, free wireless energy. This we can't have that. And we can't have that. When you're pitching something to a bank who relies on investors and money and uh, 
most importantly, collecting fees, trying to distribute a product. Let's just say when Thomas Edison came to the table with the incandescent light bulb, they were much more willing to take his because all they saw was dollar bills. Cha-ching, cha-ching. And then when you look at Tesla trying to say, I want to turn that all on wirelessly with this freaking pylon generator of doom that looks fucking crazy when it's turned on because it's got lightning everywhere. It looks like the fu- it looks like a Metallica album cover on this. That's way. really really funny. Um, so at any at any rate, um, yeah, J.P. Morgan Chase didn't like Nikola Tesla because he he didn't want to be a part of the uh, the pyramid scheme that to this day is our electric uh, I mean, providers. They could charge us for air. They would. They could find they're, a way to swing that. On. They will. Yeah. They're working they will. They're trying to figure out a way. <laughs> Smog it up. They're building. Sell good air. They're building. Um, exactly, Tyler. Exactly. <laughs> um, Horton here's a what? Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 um, so, yeah. There's a. There's just a lot of unfortunate wisdom out there that we could never retrieve or hope to retrieve because it was uh, destroyed or simply put, was never given the time of day to succeed in Tesla's case. He lived until like 80 um, And then his company was stolen. Yeah. Not stolen, but purchased. Yeah, he had a a rough time. Really good shit on, dude. You know, the people who got decapitated <laughs> on the Crusades, man, they had a tough time. They too. also had a rough time. Yeah, but, you know, maybe they repented before they got their head cut off, so who knows. <laughs> um, it's all fake anyways, Nick. Yeah, because it's all just a simulation, so it doesn't yeah. really matter. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. Um, I could totally vibe behind this theory, honestly. Like, And, you know, one thing does it for me. One singular thing makes it to where this could be like it makes just enough sense to where it could be true for me you ever heard of the fibonacci sequence oh yeah buddy that's it like because like yeah. it shows up in nature in that's space in math it's a fucking algorithm for the universe itself yeah. literally it's and it you can't make that shit up plus it's pleasing to the eyes so uh, it's yeah, that's it. That's how it's, you know we live in yeah, a simulation. That's that's our binary code for existence in this universe. And uh, so uh, that was kind of a hard transition. But the next topic of the evening is just simulation theory. Just just diving in a little bit more deeply than just the umbrella term simulation theory. Simulation theory is it's like oh everything's a simulation and. We're just a computer. It goes deeper than that. It's not just an Alex Jones crackpot theory, which I think we already talked about him a couple weeks ago. We yeah. didn't get to his trial. That was that was the first week we skipped. Oh shit! Wow. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we uh, side tangent. Alex Jones trial. What the trial? He was treated like a little toddler the entire time. Go fucking figure. Um, uh, his attorney did shit to bed, and I love that. Yeah. Well, so did uh, fucking what's her nuts? 
Why do I forget her name now? Probably because the trial's not going on and I don't see her now. Oh, Amber Heard. Amber Heard, yeah. So Amber Heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Literally, she literally Lit- shit Literally the bed. shit the bed. So Picture um, didn't happen. I don't know, man. So you go a little bit deeper. And um the source of this conversation uh being brought up tonight was a video of uh Larry King and for any Gen Zers who or Gen Alphas, because you know little kids might be listening to this podcast, even though they shouldn't be. Um, Larry King was a TV personality uh, late night, uh, interviewed and hosted um, anyone from you know scientists to politicians, uh, really anyone. If there was Everybody something once, like the old school Joe Rogan. Yeah, it was like a podcast before podcasting. Ye old um, Joe Rogan experience. Yeah. So, yeah. So Larry King, famous uh, TV personality, was interviewing uh, Neil Tyson Degrassi. And he, uh, you know, King just comes at him with the, so you think it could be a simulation. And then, you know, he goes on to explain um a really compelling uh, argument that it wouldn't be hard to convince him of it when you think about it like this. And that's that, let's say, original humans created computers, AI, yada, 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 and um, created, and then that AI created a simulation within itself. And within that simulation, that simulation uh, advanced enough and got conscious enough to create its own simulation. And then you have that same effect just cascade down, 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 down. It's this ever perpetual. And each one of those, every time that simulation creates a new simulation of life on Earth or in this universe, it is creating another virtual Big Bang, another virtual universe just perpetuating and perpetuating it's kind of (laughs) like any rick and morty fan will know but it's kind of like one of the uh early episodes in season one where rick has this little box with like this little micro you know um world in it where the action these little uh living beings uh it creates energy for a battery to power his car or something like that. Um, but they eventually get advanced enough to where they stop using the device that Rick needs to power the battery, which ultimately powers their civilization as well. Um, they figure out how to create their own battery filled with another little world in it with people who are doing the same thing for them. So kind of Rick and Morty has kind of played with this uh, type of simulation cascading effect. And, um, and the, and the, and the point of it is that this AI is so advanced that it can create seamless, perfect renderings of what we consider reality. And if we were so far down in that cascade effect, we wouldn't even know we were in a simulation. But not only that, we'd be a simulation inside of a simulation times who knows how many. Infinity. Yeah. So, yeah, mind-boggling, to say the it's least. Fun. It's like, 
you literally i don't know it's one of those things that like i don't think you could ever prove or disprove because it, let's say you do prove it it is com- it it is like reality shattering everything is ceases to exist you know what i mean like well none of it, it ever existed anyways right. i mean we all sit here and we think we're flesh and blood but like if this were a simulation this is all just code and that fibonacci sequence is the base code could just be yeah the root of all of our coding and what i would find even more fascinating is that a simulation perfectly simulates being um having things like allergies and cancer and death and sickness and depression and i mean deformities and if we're a simulation of an original human race that created the original ai um and then we fell somewhere in the cascade then it's mimicked life perfectly if this is what life is whoa i don't know why the idea of simulation theory kind of makes me think of that episode of futurama where bender's god for a little bit while he's floating in space that's fair i don't i don't know why it's the same vibe it's But uh, apparently this theory has been around, like even the Mayans, some of their texts say the world was a painting or a book written by uh, T.O.T., which I, without looking too much into it, T.O.T. seems like some larger than the world figure, like uh, whatever the Greek guy's name, who has the world on his back. One of those types things. Atlas, yeah. That's a Titan, yeah. I was going to say Titan. His... uh... It's actually his punishment is mm-hmm. to be holding up the world. That's where Zeus put him, according to the God of War game theories, at least. Um, I've been playing um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, so I'm getting a little bit of uh, Roman, not Roman. Uh, that's Greek, e- yeah. E- Greek. Egyptian. No, yeah, it, no it's, yeah, it's Greek. Odyssey, yeah. Yeah, Odyssey. no, um, Origins is the Egyptian one. And then Valhalla just went full retard. That's funny. It was like, we're going to have Norse mythology in here. Um, the simulation uh, theory works. Like, have you heard Brain in a Vat? That, like, I like skeptical argument? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the same thing. If you put a brain in a jar with everything it needs to function, would the brain know it's in a jar? How, how could the brain, like, yeah. how would we know? We can't, we can't prove... That we're in a simulation or we're not in a simulation but it seems like i don't know like because it makes me think of synchronicities too like synchronicity is like coincidences don't exist everything is like reoccurring things or things that seem like coincidences like mean something so it's like also like a pre-programmed i don't know like foreshadowing or like events are already scheduled to happen and Here's here's yeah. the lead up to it. Yeah. So it's like so, or deja vu. I don't know. Man. Yeah. I mean, th- those are all valid um, things to consider, but um, even beyond that, it's um, another thing for consideration is string theory and quantum mechanics. Every decision that you don't make branches off into theoretically an alternate universe where you made one of those decisions but it was a different one than the one you just made now 
Uh-huh. So, yeah. so let's yeah. say I'm driving down the street and I have the option to turn left or right. In this reality that we are in right now, I decide to go right. And I chose that consciously. I had a choice. And I made that choice. However, now that that choice has been made, there was another choice in that instance where I could have turned left. And if you wanted to really go crazy, you could even make the road just keep going straight. So you have two turns. There's two, two other outcomes. What if I went left and then I end up in a car wreck? Or what if I went straight and there was like some sort of catastrophe going on? But when I turn right in this reality, nothing happens. So do you, I mean, that kind of makes me, have you heard, have you heard of like the, so like the, it's like a piggyback on the alternate realities, parallel universe theory, where like when you make a wrong choice, like let's say you chose one of the other two choices, your mm-hmm. consciousness just kind of pops over to the reality that made the right choice to where you can continue to exist. Maybe in death. yeah and death like when you die i don't think you would consciously i've made a lot of bad decisions in my life but you never died did you i never died no so i mean i'm just saying yeah if you're yeah if you make that bad decision you die there your life and this reality has now transferred to another one where Mm -hmm. that didn't happen however that version of you already existed. So now we have to make the argument that consciousness is transferable uh, through quantum realms. Isn't that a theory that also is connected to like uh, 2012 a lot where like the world did end, but we all made the shift to a new reality. Yeah, but that was more like a, that was more of like a artificially, man if you want to believe it that was caused by cern right right um and the fact that, and you know the fact that it did happen we i guess we wouldn't know i mean it's yeah how could you yeah. and if someone if someone did know like if let's say like i don't know someone saw through the veil and saw the code or the saw the creators or whatever you want to say mm-hmm. nobody would believe them no. Everyone would make fun of them or they'd get locked up no. under psychosis or something. There was a fun little Reddit story where it kind of, I had a, a kind of a story about something along those lines where someone did figure it out and uh, was trying to go to a friend that they went to summer camp with when they're an adult now. And he didn't remember him from summer camp. I <laughs> But they did go to summer camp together, just not in this reality. It goes on and yeah. on. It's stupid. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess, like, let's say there was a version of me that just expired and a, you know, alternate uh, universe. And they just expired and that their consciousness just joined mine. <clears throat> Would I know it? Obviously not, because we've never experienced that before. Would anything change, or would you just like seamlessly merge? Like, would that be an explanation for like you having like, let's say you're really good at like chess, 
that you've like never played before mm-hmm. or something. You know what I mean? Like, could that be? That could be deja vu. Like an ex deja vu or like I'm trying to think of like the being a project a prodigy at something. Yeah. I mean, just you know, I'm sure different if there are different versions of ourselves, I'm sure we all live under the same hood or we live in the same shell, but under the hood we all have different capabilities. Um, different mindsets, different opinions. We could be completely different people, just depending on our surroundings and you know what what choices were made, and that that co- had a cause and effect that made things go a different way. Um, you know, had my parents not moved out of the home that we lived in when I was three to the home that I inevitably grew up in for for. 17 years um so i move out till i was 20 you know what kind of effect would that have had on my life yeah had i not just had that stable home provided what if we weren't able to buy that home what if we had to stay where we were for x amount of years until i was like older maybe 12 or 13 that would have changed everyone who I went to school with. That would have changed the people I would have interacted with. That would have changed my teachers. That would have changed the level of education I received. And that greatly shapes your personality yeah. Like, yeah. and everything. Exactly. I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have met my wife. I probably wouldn't have had my children. At least no once. I wouldn't have met you at 84 Lumber. I may never even worked at 84 Lumber anywhere else. But I would have had to because I made a lot of choices there on a forklift that were questionable. Um, <laughs> so that's crazy. I listened to a really interesting podcast in the most recent season of Dust that kind of plays with this, where humans create this simulated Earth with a like, but their spin on it was like they didn't just they didn't create humans. They ran a bunch of different tests and found like the most adaptive species and it ended up being like a humanoid salamander but they Mm. acted like humans so and she like every time something was going to happen or they had a problem the scientists would introduce it to the simulation world and speed it up like a thousand years and then they would have the problem solved so like global warming or the uh, microplastics trash piling up atmospheric trash uh and a meteor hitting the earth and these simulated people thought it was god like testing them you know what i mean yeah only when they in the simulation created their own simulation did they think to look at the stars and in turn find out that they were also in a simulation so like that's like i like to think that even though this theory is fun to toy around with that you know i would hope it's not true right and i think And I think if anything, I, I'm a firm believer in the reality that we're that we're current in the day. The Earth is round; it's not flat. We've been to the moon. Spoiler: We have, yeah, right. Spoiler alert: <laughs> uh, trips, we, we have a telescope a million miles away from Earth, taking the most sophisticated pictures of the universe we've ever seen. We're lear- we're relearning. We're unlearning some things. We're relearning some things about how the universe works. So there's not a doubt within my mind that 
if, 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 if this was a simulation and if there was a way to prove that it was one, I'd like to think we've just gone ahead and done it. Because I swear to I swear to God, if the night sky is just a screensaver, I'm just I'm gonna <laughs> like, cry. I say it doesn't like because you would, the first thing I think of is nothing would matter if we found out we were in a simulation. It's kind of like life is pointless. Do what you mm-hmm. want. I don't but, think so. But uh, now, I have I'm, a now I'm I have a retort. So now finish, finish I'm thinking about it, and it's I kind of feel like nothing changes because this is yeah. still our reality. It's still, still your reality. It's still yeah. your life. Now, here's where I slightly disagree with you. It doesn't necessarily make everything meaningless because, regardless if you are code and code and code and a simulation or flesh and blood and the physical realm of matter that we exist in, we have consciousness. And there are many people who believe that anything that achieves self-sufficient consciousness and ability to empathize, sympathize, love, hate, express freely emotion. Solve complex problems. You are technically a living thing. So regardless if, you know, the great Sky King created all of us or... A, com- a supercomputer. There mean that basically means that there's something out there that was intelligent enough to create us as we are today, and has given us the ability to critically reflect and think about stupid shit like this and Nick, analyze it. What if we are in a simulation right now on some 14 year old nerd's computer, running in the background while he's browsing the? Like, what if we are his screensaver? I mean. If that's the case, man, I hope I'm in like the left hit. <laughs> to, that's my yeah, yeah. I can see that. That's interesting. I feel like that's something we can return to also. Like because there's so many layers to it and there's so many like have, oh, you, have yeah. you ever seen like any glitch of the matrix posts on Reddit? There's a whole mm-hmm. subreddit dedicated to Well, not so much even that. I've seen people take videos doctored or not, um of what they believe is like real life glitches, how people are just NPCs. Um, <laughs> it's like some someone will say something off putting, and you're like, "That's some NPC bullshit." That uh, um, a video on 4chan of the man falling out of the sky. Right, but and that would also, if it were a simulation, that means the possibilities of the back rooms being real goes up way higher you're right because no 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 clipping through fucking reality (laughs) would be a a much more realistic um happenstance if this were a simulation yeah that's really funny what yeah but i the more i think about it i feel like nothing changes i feel like you're right i feel like we're still conscious and this is still our reality it's just we would just we would have just unlocked the secret to life why are we here discuss for for someone who's entertaining here simulation created simulation and i kept repeating that command and that effect infinitely and you just exist within one of those infinite realms what's the jim carrey movie where his life is a tv show oh um Fuck you asked me too fast. I'm sorry. It's okay. I know it's 
you're talking I want to say liar, liar, but I don't, that's not it. The Truman Show. That's it. So liar, liar is a good one, though. Dumb and dumber. That one, that one makes me LOL. Okay, real quick, while we're here. Have you seen Me, Myself, and Irene? Of course. One of my favorites. I showed JJ this, this just the scene where he puts the cow down. Oh my god! He about, he about pissed himself. <laughs> <laughs> he can identify with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That movie. I saw that movie when I was maybe eleven. I, mean, I could have been ten, maybe, but still, saw it as a kid, and that made me laugh, laugh, laugh. <laughs> and I mean, you miss as a kid. You don't you really appreciate. You don't really appreciate some of the humor or theming going on. But when you come back to it with an adult, you know, set of set of glasses on, man, oh, it's it still holds up. It's really it's, really it's good. It's a good it's, comedy. Yeah. Um, you know, his wife, everything from his wife leaving him for a black midget <laughs> and, three that, sons. and that black midget being <laughs> the father of those three sons <laughs> that he ended up raising. The way they call him daddy and their their whole their great acting and their characters are hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean the scenes where he's going through his um personalities uh transitions are fucking cottonmouth scene. Are just comical. Uh like as a kid I feel like you kinda miss the whole whitey subplot, like because it's so subtle and then like mm-hmm. He's just calm. It's it's really. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, honestly one of my favorite scenes in that movie is when he gets on the megaphone in the fucking uh, like supermarket that he's in <laughs> because the woman at the checkout is trying to buy a product called <laughs> like Vagiclean and it's for yeast infections. <laughs> And he gets on the intercom, and they're like trying to do a price check. And he goes, "Price check on Vegasil." <laughs> he he goes on this little rant, and you know, we have a nice young lady up here baking the bread. Yeah, she needs this Vegasil. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god. Um, this is really the first time I ever pissed sideways. That's all I could think of was that scene. Yeah. That movie where he's he goes, all over the bathroom. Did we have sex last night? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good, it's a good. Movie. And that was our movie review segment of the night. That's a good one. Check it out. <laughs> we give it a four out of five analysis. No movie's perfect, just like every human. All right. Well, this will probably be a good time to. Switch it over. Slowly roll back the clock into a time where everything was more simple. Men were men. Women were women. The men worked. The women didn't. If you were a woman and even thought about working, they would institutionalize you and throw (laughs) you in the brig. We are talking another other than the greatest generation. Um, In that same time period, you know the vibrator was was a fix for a mental disorder in women like, like, like hysteria it was a woman had never like nutted before and the mm. vibrator like cured their hysteria well you know women have needs too man and i guarantee you men were not taking care of business Listen, back then. i agree with ben shapiro i don't know what a wop is i've never seen one it sounds like fake news 
I feel very sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, the next little segment we're going to cover generations. Not just one, but we're going to try and fit them all in. Every single generation. All of the top 10 generations. So, there are seven living generations. A couple of them are very close to extinction. Um, You would probably only expect a handful of them to still be alive. But the first one is titled The Greatest Generation. And these folks were born between 1901 and 1927. So, who were the greatest generation? Well... Uh. They're uh, World War One babies. Uh, you got the turn of the century. We're coming from a century that had slavery and war and uh, rebuilding and just as much tragedy as every other generation that precedes it. But um, ultimately, you also have a party generation. After World War One, you have the 20s, you have the Spanish flu. This generation saw a lot of hardships, but also saw a lot of success at the same time. So they are typically categorized, um, you know, generations are kind of, you know, described as a group of people born and then around the same time frame, around the same age, within a 25-year gap. And a generation kind of gets branded or labeled because of, you know, the types of behaviors, beliefs, point of views, um, things like that. Uh, things that they're, you know, you know, just commonly say or do. Um, the events they experience. Yeah, really just um, really just a whole lot of junk that is, you know, pertinent to uh, the time period that they're living in. So when you talk about the greatest generation, they called it that because of the Roaring Twenties, the victory of World War One, even though America was like hardly in it. But it was still. We were there just long enough to do some war crimes. Yeah, we were there kicking ass, taking names, making sure no bitches were tripping. Um, so generations exhibit similar characteristics such as communication, shopping, motivation, preferences, because they experience similar trends at approximately the same life stage. And through similar channels, uh, i.e. like newspaper, TV, um, the The internet, internet. stuff like that. So generation shaping trends are most influential as people come of age, which means that member of a particular generation will develop and share similar values, beliefs, and expectations. Um, But they go on to say like it's important to remember that an individual 
level, everyone is different. So that's kind of coming into like someone like me where I'm millennial, but very rarely do I fall within the identifying um, stigma of being a millennial. You know, it's funny, me too, but we're on different ends of that. You're like, you would identify more as a Gen Xer and I would identify more as a Gen Z or even though we're both technically millennials. Well, and, and to that point, I was closer to Gen X. I mean, Gen Z is 96 to 2010. See, I've seen millennials ending at 96 and also ending at 90, 98. And so it's like, I was born in 98. I, I feel like I was, I exhibit qualities of both because I was like in that weird well, you're gonna, period. Yeah, you're going to naturally have that. Um, you don't normally get the most conforming attributes until you're somewhere in the middle of that 25-year gap. Right. So, I mean, yeah, if you're born... I was born in 1992, so I was on the backload of Generation X, but I was also on the tip of Gen Z. So where I embrace a lot more um, progressive and, you know, uh, let's say more liberal attributes, which I think kind of throws me more in that libertarian category that I usually tout about, um, makes sense because Gen X is typically more conservative. Um, I would say most of your generations before millennials were more conservative. Um, but then again, there's no such thing as moderate Democrats anymore, at least not in mainstream media. So, and they don't get much of a majority in the House anymore either. So, yeah, I mean, I, I exhibit probably more um, Gen X behaviors than millennial, but I also have, you know, that close relation to that Gen Z cutoff as well um and just like the type of music that you consume i consume a a very large variety which i know you do too um you typically from what i hear are more uh apt to listen to i'd say it's millennial music young modern um hip-hop is what i'm going to label it as i disagree alternative hip-hop i don't know what to call it pop punk baby i mean it's whatever yeah (laughs) the taylor swift of my chemical romance um yeah i mean i would give considered x and like little peep rappers though in my opinion i can see i can see where they had some punk to them but Okay, you're okay. Okay, yeah, I wasn't a bit of a peep phase back then, wasn't I? When we were yeah. listening to music at the same time. Yeah, I get yeah. that. Yeah, I was just a phase, mom. I do like a... peep though, but I don't listen to him like I used to. I was like on a kick. Um, well, that usually happens when people die and pass away. You're like, you obsessively away post mortem, though, wasn't it? Or did he just die around that time? It was not too far off from when he died. Yeah. I mean, 2018 was pretty close yeah close enough i mean i started listening to him right the day he died i was like let me check this out and i was like man this sucks i like this shit. <laughs> 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 why'd i do this to myself 
So anyways, now that we have a little bit of understanding there, um, the next generation is the silent generation. So this is folks, and this is just the time frames that this website is listing. I realize there's one I have is different than one you have. It, yeah, it seems a, like they vary by up to like five years, depending on where you look. <laughs> yeah, everyone, everywhere I've been, I've seen different start and end dates for generations, but they all fall within just a couple of years of each other. Yeah. So I'm just going to read from the one that I have, but the silent generation, which was 1928 through 1945. This is a pretty obvious call out to uh, the the Great Depression era uh, and the the World War II era as well. So two uh, very major events, uh, both involving Americans. Um, obviously, that generation shaped and molded the world that we live in today. Um, and they gave birth to the baby boomers from 46 to 64, uh, which is where my parents fall in. And uh, <clears throat> their name is synonymous with being uh, the generation that birthed the most children within that uh, time frame uh, that the world has ever seen. We've actually been on, it may not feel like it, but we are actually not replacing ourselves as quickly as we're killing them. Um, so. Oh no. Yeah. Overpopulation. Who's that? Still, still feels like a big problem today. <laughs> Just saying. Um, so baby boomers, they ruined everything. That's enough said. Yeah. Basically. Um, <laughs> They're still in the job market and they shouldn't be. That's why millennials are stagnating so much. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, every single problem in Washington right now can be traced back to a baby boomer. They all have uh, lead poisoning. I want to put that out there, too. Whether whether they're still in office or not, a baby boomer is responsible for everything we're dealing with today. Um, it is almost a fact that both McConnell and Pelosi have some sort of fetal alcohol poisoning because it was found out alcohol is bad for your baby after they were born. Yeah, well... Isn't that crazy? And they're still that, up there? Tell that to the generation that <laughs> won a world war and went through a Great Depression. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, they gave birth to what I like to call the most um, cynical generation, Gen X. Um... These were mid-60s to early 80s kids. And they, uh, you know, they're, they're an interesting bunch. That's my, that my brother just made the cutoff for Gen X. Um, Gen Xers made this, grunge, right? Like Kirk yeah, would be a Gen yeah, Xer. Yeah, yeah. Definitely a grunge. I mean, so what you have here is you have a generation that was raised by a large population of um, anti-war activists, hippies, and liberal agendists, um, because we didn't really see liberalism and progressive um, ideologies really getting mainstream focus until um, the 60s when our involvement with the Vietnam War was raging on in the early years. And you had a lot of people who were 
uh, self-proclaimed hippies at the time. And then, you know, they all had children and then those children were raised by hippies and, um, well, not all of them, but you have a very large percentage of them who just uh, were born during a very weird time. You had the Cold War going on. You had the Vietnam War going on. You still had um, race issues. I mean, race issues are always a problem, but I mean, predominantly in the 60s and 70s, so it was at its worst. And um, so Gen X was kind of a, uh, a hard, you know, they, they had a rough I mean, there's not a generation on here that hasn't had its struggle um, but they inevitably <clears throat> now I actually belong to baby boomers but Gen X um, you know predominantly your baby boomers and your Gen Xers are going to have millennial babies I mean and that's and that's said for every generation um, some Gen Xers probably have Gen Zers. In fact, I my uncle has a Gen Z and he's a Gen X. So there, there you have, there you have it. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> millennials, where do I even begin? <sighs> my people. My people. So we're talking about a generation that was the first to experience the internet, the first to experience true cell phones the ones to experience functioning pcs generation um, me yeah it was very self-centered very snappy uh convenient like the early birthings of electronic convenience and companionship was coming into form and we became we you know we became very demanding and very I want it now-ish. Um, but we also were victimized because we all witnessed um, 9-11 as small children. Now, for us, it was live. It was affecting our life at the time that it happened. Um, by the time you get to Gen Z... Um, they're the first generation to yeah. not remember 9-11. Yes, they're the first generation to not remember 9-11. Some of them were alive for it, but most of them aren't. Um, especially the fact that it cuts off at 2010. See, I was three, and I, I want to say that's my first memory ever, but uh, Bailey tells me it's a false memory, so I, that sounds toxic. It's really funny. Um, but yeah, that... Gaslight like, me! That was one um, of those events that completely changes. Like the world our my parents grew up in is vastly different than the world I grew up in. And that played a massive part in it. Well, yeah, I mean, 9-11 was a publicly live recorded murder fest. And we were forced to watch it over and over again every year in school. I yeah. saw that in the TikTok you sent me. And that yes. made me realize that like, yes, every year... It is for like re-traumatized, if you will. I didn't ever think it was like terrible to watch, but like No, but you're just being exposed to very graphic. dark dark graphic adult themes. And it's not helping prepare you to be a functioning human. It's just giving you anxiety. Well, and I remember like we watched I wanna say United 93 is that the movie about the people yeah, bought back yeah. mm-hmm. we watched that in school so many times every year people would be crying like in our classroom watching it because they were like 
so disturbed or so moved or sad or whatever you want to say. Yeah. That just can't be good for a developing brain. So, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, you, your, your generation, <clears throat> uh, it's the first generation to not know what it was like without internet. Whether you had it as a kid in your house or not, it was available, it was accessible. You had it at school, you had it at the libraries, so I'm sure you interacted with it in any way you could. But within this generation, internet became just another household utility. It wasn't even a question by the mid-20s. A lot of our parents didn't understand it, so a lot of kids who shouldn't have were given like unfiltered access to everything the internet holds. Yeah. We left that, you guys to live leak and aha apps and all this other shit where you could just literally go watch people whatever. get their fucking heads cut off or uh, girls we eating did. each other's poop. Or dudes jerking off on Omega. Or sticking a jar up your ass and watching it pop and then you're fucking wrecked and bleeding out. Or two girls sharing <laughs> a chocolate sundae out of a single cup. The world was your oyster from the beginning. <laughs> Unlimited amounts of information. Yeah, I mean, literally, you could, if you could think of it, you could find it on the internet. And this generation, and I, and I'm a firm believer. Don't get me wrong, I'm a firm believer in the internet not being censored. But I also believe in parenting. Exactly, it should be open and, for adults. Like, yeah, it's the the parents' job to protect the child from the horrors of the world yeah and i'm not going to take millennials or gen millennials don't have an excuse and honestly neither does gen x baby boomers i had baby boomer parents they didn't know shit about fuck when it came to technology and computers (laughs) so yeah i was kind of the see my grandpa he was the silent generation, but he knew just enough how to find singles and sex. Okay. That's all uh, he to do on the uh, internet. Pe- hey, listen, some people are more dedicated to adapting <laughs> than others. My parents were, I mean, my mom was always more adaptive than my dad to embracing the internet and surfing the web, so to say. But my dad, he's always struggled with technology and he has a smartphone now and he just absolutely hates it. Well, from my he, understanding, he just wants his old walkie-talkie with two-way radio and a flip, flip phone screen and all that other shit. If you don't make an active attempt to keep up with it, it'll snowball too far from you so quickly with how fast it's evolving. Absolutely. Especially back then, like we've kind of slowed. It feels like, but in the early to mid two thousands, during like the dot com bubble and yeah. all that shit was mm-hmm. firing. Oh yeah, I mean you had Y two K within that millennial group and Gen X. <clears throat> yeah, 9-11. Um, by the time 2005 rolled around, you guys were a little bit older, and yet again, another, you know, this time being a natural disaster, watching a town flood and people fleeing for their lives into a stadium, watching bodies float down the fucking city streets. That the National are, Guard killing an armed man. Yeah, just... FEMA you know. death camps. <clears throat> Once again, not too many years later from 9 11, now that you guys are being force fed this history lesson that 
hasn't even had a chance to become history yet. It's just a remembrance ordeal or watching the, you know, and I was in eighth grade when uh, the events of Katrina unfolded and uh, it was tough to watch even then. So, you know, you met, and I remember hearing about it um, <clears throat> the night that it was happening on the news uh, when I went to bed. Uh, before I went to bed that night, they had some live coverage of the storm because that was the night it was going on. And I mean, yeah, it was fucking horrifying. Category five hurricane is never a fucking walk in the park, and especially with cities that are fucking under sea level, for God's sakes. Yeah. Who thought that was a good idea? Frenchies. Did you hear about the uh, like the only animal to survive in the aquarium? there was the saltwater crocodile they had he just ate what he could and then went into hibernation until they found him it makes sense yeah there was enough ocean water in that city to fucking kill off any goldfish (laughs) um but at any rate so after katrina three more years later once again you're being hit with a recession now 2008 Recession kicks in, the bubble bursts, and the housing market goes to shit. The only good thing that happens is I turned 16 that year and get my car, and gas prices went from like $2 a gallon to like a buck 30 a gallon. That's the cheapest, around the cheapest I've ever paid for gas in my lifetime, personally. I love that for you. Was, was like a buck 30 a gallon, which. Um, <laughs> so, anyways. Um, you get the recession going on you got houses foreclosing you've got people you know becoming homeless their wealth is being absorbed and pulled out of all of their accounts to try and survive not to trust the banks yeah the banks have fucked everyone um wall street gets a big bailout gmc gets a big bailout and now you're producing government funded cars and you're keeping the money machine because that's what we rely on is we have all of our chickens in one basket and it's all on wall street and uh it's it's when it when it falls it all falls so that was a tough time but got through that still traumatic for a lot of young families children who were affected by that recession, watching their parents lose their jobs, their houses, their homes. Say, we lost our house. Yeah. Their, their, their belongings, having to move. Every time a child has to move, and the more frequent it becomes, the less stability and security the child feels. And that is not detrimental, but it's just another thing. It has an effect. That has an effect on their growth patterns and mental stability and overall how they turn out on you know you know they probably have ptsd it's fine and then so (laughs) i'm skipping ahead a little bit but during our coming of age when a lot of us were graduating high school and college and all that covid yeah i mean i'm not going to bring up the john the donald trump thing that was more traumatic for some people than others um uh, it was an interesting four years. It's fine. I mean, that, and that was our first election to vote in was 2016 for a lot of us too. So, so like my, that was our first, introduction to politics. My first one 
was 2012, so four years before that. I voted for, um, at the time, you had the choice between Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. I saw a Mitt Romney bumper sticker last week. That's funny. Isn't it? He's uh, he's definitely a um, progressive Republican, which not many of those exist. Um, at any rate, <clears throat> we call them libertarians usually uh, nowadays, but even the Libertarian Party, I mean, it's it's not as strong as it needs to be. Yeah. Anyone who runs on an independent ticket but ends up on the Democratic stage, they're only there because that's the only platform that's going to house them to give them a chance and how to win. That's how Trump won. If Trump would have ran as an independent, he would have never became president. He had to run on a platform that was existing and strong, and he could get his face seen on. I was saying he wouldn't have gained any attention. He probably would have been one of the best performing independent candidates in the history of our voting system. Um, But at the end of the day, running on the Republican platform gave him a lot more opportunity than just trying to go it alone. Um, So at any rate, yeah, we get four years of the Cheeto. Uh, Within those four years, a pandemic explodes. Uh, The girl on TikTok was actually talking about how she had just gotten her degree, finally got a job. And three months after getting that job, the big COVID crackdown came along. And now she's footed with a $90,000 student loan bill. Thankfully, the federal government still to this day has not uh, forced anyone to make a student loan payment. However, it's one of those things where it's highly recommended. Don't hold your breath He's on, not the gov- on, on the government coming to bail you out. Joe Biden in the past has firmly made his stance that he is not for forgiving all student debt. He, in he fact, in fact, in fact, he has written legislation to basically make it impossible for that debt to ever disappear. The reason that it's not um, capable of being wiped by bankruptcy is because of a bill that he sponsored. Uh, when he was a senator. The reason you cannot get rid of your student debt to this day, you can thank largely to Joe Biden. So don't expect him to go into the White House when he's a senile old fool and bail your little ass out just because he promised you in the campaign. He told you that so you'd vote for him. That's the whole, that's the horse and pony show here, folks. It worked. I didn't vote for him, but it worked. No, I didn't either. Um, Did you vote independent? Or you don't mind? Uh, yeah, no, I, you're fine. Um, yeah, I I honestly, I think I did a write-in, if I, if I remember. I voted for Jorgenstein, the Libertarian candidate. Two percents, buddy. That's what we got on national. Two percent of votes. I thought I thought this might have been the year, though, because a lot of people didn't like either candidate. So I was like, everyone's going to vote independent. It's going to be crazy. Well, I like to think that Trump doesn't come back in 24 based off of him right now. But I'm not going to. He doing um, it. He run it. I don't. 
I don't really want to see him or Biden in the White House anymore. Oh, no. I, I hope Biden. Run. I think Biden's not going to run. I think Harris is going to run. Have you heard Cheney's thinking about running? Liz Cheney? Yeah. Uh, so is. Uh, go. <clears throat> Excuse me. So is Governor DeSantis. I'm kind of thinking it's going to be DeSantis versus Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene. I think she's going to run as his VP. TG. She's certifiably crazy she in my is opinion. She nuts. And she will not <laughs> get dick for vote outside of her home state. Anyone who's not a QAnon supporter doesn't like her. <laughs> crazy she, yeah she's just nuts man i don't have anything to say about her she believes in q like she literally yeah i'm sure yeah. she does because she drinks fucking kool-aid for breakfast that's fine um, actually it was flavorade yeah right so the last generation is our children's generation gen generation alpha and um i believe the name has something to do with that they are the first generation that is without a doubt never going to know what it was like not having the internet but also not have smartphones or smart devices um the level of connectivity that all of us didn't really discover till we were much much older was already accessible available and usable for this generation from the start have you seen the phone thing for gen alpha like, if you ask you or me to hold up a phone, we will do the oh, yeah, they do the palm to thumb the hand. thing, yeah, yeah, and they the what's up sign, and then they do the palm to the hand because that's their what they think of as phones as smartphones, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I um, I don't really, as a rule, let Arthur play with a smartphone, but there are some scenarios where it's convenient i agree um, but <laughs> but it's few and far between she's and been it's always educational uh there's a couple of educational games on like bailey's old phone that we let her play sometimes but it's really been an eye-opener for me because like if we're all just chilling on the couch and like me and bailey are both on our phones like scrolling and lazy's like watching tv and playing and she feels like oh, you guys are on your phones. She'll be like, can I play games? And I'll be like, maybe I should put my phone down and we should do something. Like, Yeah, you, you exactly. Know, like, yeah. It's a good, like... It's a good gut check. It is, because I'm like, okay, yeah, we need to get off our phones and do something, because I don't want... Like, I can't tell you, no, you can't play games on your phone if I'm just going to play on my phone. That's not really fair. So yeah. I should and get off knows. my phone and we and, should do something. And you know what? Some nights it's called for... Everyone's had a hard day. You don't Definitely, like, but like you, you don't feel like fucking with shit. It's okay to take those nights, but it's what what's important not to do is to create a routine of it. Yeah. Um, we you know just because this generation has the accessibility and the knowledge and the evolutionary you know coding to just know how to use technology when they fly out of the wood, baby Einsteins. Um, fucking bonkers. Doesn't mean they need it 24 7 nor should they use it 20 especially when they're growing and learning and developing i mean you need to kind of get them outside and play and you know and stimulate their imagination get them a coloring book you know get them toys that help them really just you know, 
Gum Buck Wild. And Arthur, more often than not, just likes having the TV on as background noise, but that's how he plays. He'll go out into the complete opposite room where the TV isn't even at. But as long as there's like a show playing in the background that he's familiar with, he's usually playing around it. The that, only that's time, what, yeah, yeah, the only time we're really able to get him to calm down and really just sit down and veg is like either before nap time or before bedtime. The Lizzie does the same thing. She'll occasionally like look up and watch parts of a show, mm-hmm. and then just like go back and doing whatever she's doing. She likes the background noise too. I I, I try to do more music in the shows because that's better for me you know what i mean but sometimes she's like nah no music turn it off yeah i try it yeah i do the music i trial it every yeah. once in a while <laughs> some days dance party some yeah some days i you know i can get away with the dance party excuse so i'm like oh we're just having a dance party and then other days it's a fight because coca melon was on or bluey was on or Team Umizumi or Blaze or Mickey well, Mouse. They gotta or... be fucking people and have opinions and shit, you know? Yeah, right. It's like, damn, damn it. <laughs> There's only three. How are you, like... Have I thought, you... I thought yeah, you were supposed yeah. to be brain dead. <laughs> yeah, I thought I had longer before you were a person. Yeah. Um, Have you heard of the fourth turning at all? And like anything about that? What, what was that again? The Fourth Turning. Run it by me. The Fourth Turning is a book based on these generational cycles. And like it, like the whole, the, the, the thing, like uh, hard times make strong men, strong men make easy times, easy times makes weak men, and weak times makes weak men make hard times, hard time makes strong men, you know, it's a repetitive thing. It's kind of like that, but way, way fleshed out. So like they turn every, I haven't, I haven't finished the book yet, and I really, really like to dive into it as a whole topic when I do. But they last 80 years. There's four generations, the hero, the prophet, the artist, and I cannot think of the last one, the intellect or something maybe. And like uh, a couple of the ones I know are like, the last hero generation was the great generation, the GIs. Yeah. And the next hero generation now is Gen Z. And so like you, there's like a, some sort of climax or some sort of bad event, like a world war or something. Mm -hmm. And that's like the climax and the hero generation handles the climax. And then after the climax is the peace and then that's when one of the softer generations are born because they're born in a more stable environment, a more, uh, like, I can't think of the word, a better environment, a more where they can thrive better. Yeah. And then that moves on to the buildup. And the buildup is where those all these lax things start to fall apart. The buildup goes to the uh, conflict, I think. Maybe it's not called conflict. I'm drawing a blank. The build-up goes to the, yeah, so, like, right now we're in this third cycle, which is the right before whatever the bad event is, the climax, the lot, like... Well, I'll tell you what, for us personally in this reality, 2012, everything following 2012 has just only gotten progressively worse. 
Yes. It like peaked at 2012, and now it's just all rolling down the fuck like, hill, man. Um, World War One, World War Two, like every major conflict or the Great Depression has everything except for the American Civil War has lined up into these climax points, and our climax point is projected to be around no later than 2035. And you know what is planned for 2035? Mm. China's reunification with Taiwan. That's when they're set to be ready. Huh. So it's I, I I'm really I don't know. I'm leaning towards World War Three being our conflict or our crisis, but hopefully it's not. You know, through the world that ends the war that ends the world. Yeah, I don't know. There's... We we could go into it more once I get the book done and have all my thoughts well, on it organized. It just there's too much. There's too much economical wealth, money at stake for really either country America or China to go well, to war. That is more true today than what it was in World War II. But when World War II kicked off, people were like said the same thing. And I will admit that it is we're so much more deeply intertwined now than what we were. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if we had, you know. None of our products made over there. If we didn't have any capital investment, if we didn't have such a tight knit, you know, relationship on commerce, I feel like there wouldn't be anything stopping us from going to war with them. But they've kind of, they've kind of built up this whole artificial, uh, kind of non-spoken alliance of feeding each other's economies to the point in which now it's too late to like renege on it you can't you can't take it back now you guys are in the thick of it if one of you attacks the other you're only hurting yourself i don't know man world war one is living proof that it just takes one dickhead to fuck everything up you know like well and it wouldn't be one of those countries though wouldn't be china or the united states it would ultimately probably be russia drawing everyone into a conflict uh-huh. um, it, well and you know China's taiwan is playing war games right now but they're not gonna do, they, they not. would never fire the first shot i would think and china's no. simply not ready to take taiwan from everything i've seen like they just don't have the logistics to to do it well i hope that's true because i know the one thing that will most certainly happen is once China does attack Taiwan, I don't think the U.S. has a choice but to intervene. We need them. Like, not only have we already publicly stated we would help them in some fashion, for our, for our fucking Defense Department, our military-industrial complex needs the chips from Taiwan. While we're taking steps to, like, lessen our need for them, like we're building this massive chip plant here in Ohio, it's not going to be, we're not going to be su- sufficient, self-sufficient by the time this kicks off. So like, no, we need, we need 10 years. Yeah. We need, like we need, we need exactly on. 10 years to get these plants built, staffed and functioning and, functioning and <clears throat> pumping out the numbers that they need because, um, 
I work very closely to where the one in Ohio is going. It's literally 20 minutes south of where I work. Is Stone Throw and Johnstown. They're both connected by Route 62. Down the road. Literally uh, part of one another, so to say. And at the at the rate in which things are expanding into Johnstown, eventually it's all going to be New Albany. You all but any makes as Johnstown. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but at any rate. Um, so it's one of those things where we're, yeah, we're trying to do something about it, uh, today to help us down the road. Uh, it doesn't help us tomorrow though. So keeping them, keeping them on the, uh, on the payroll is in our best interest for the military and probably a few, you know, other private sector applications. Oh, and, for sure. And China's probably more or less pissed off about that continuity between Taiwan and America because they have a preconceived notion that Taiwan belongs to them just because it's it once a, few, was. a few miles off their coast and, you know, it once was one of their territories, but now it isn't. The same can be said for the Ukraine. The Ukraine used to be part of the Soviet Union. But as um, roadways were getting bombed, cleared, and napalmed, and burnt down, um, it just uh, ended up not being enough. Speaking, did you see that Russian tanks made their way to Kiev? No. So the Ukrainians towed in a bunch of burned out, destroyed Russian tanks into Kiev as like a fuck you to Russia, like saying we're the ones that like brought the, your tanks into our capital city, and they're all it's like a big fuck you. Yeah, it's really funny. The Ukraine is they're trolling, dude. They're winning and trolling. Yeah, yeah they are definitely <laughs> uh, stretching old. I think Putin wants out at this rate. I the don't. First, I think the first out he can find where they don't look like complete and other losers, he's gonna take it. It's gonna be a tough tough one to not not pull out and not look like a loser because you accomplished nothing especially if ukraine takes back the donbass region and everything that was annexed in 2014 or 2017 whichever it was yeah crime on all that other shit that'd be fucking amazing i would laugh i mean russia is a colossal and huge country a lot of it though is not livable Oh, it's just tundra. The Siberian mountains and the tundra and just the year-round winters. Yeah, I mean it's not. Uh, it's not. It's not a big country in terms of space utilization. It's just big because it has all that. So people get all intimidated when they think about Russia. They're like, "Look how big they are! They're they have this, they have that." Da, 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 da. It's like, bro, they're getting kicked. They're getting their asses kicked by a bunch of fucking potato farmers right now. I saw this TikTok where it was like, a squadron of America's top fighters could not destroy a squadron of Russian top fighters. And this three-minute video was just like, that's because they don't have enough of them to make a full squadron. Uh, (laughs) They only have like like seven or whatever of their best jets. They're not using them. They're not fielding them because they don't want to lose them. Whereas we have enough buildup and backlog to where we could fully arm the Ukraine and still have 
more than what we would need to take on our own armored conflict. Crazy. So that's how that much of a buildup of do. yeah, that's how much of a buildup that we have in defense vehicles, missiles, airplanes, tanks, um, jeeps. I mean, you name it. We have all of it. It's all ours. We keep it for ourselves, and then we sell it to other people. I just saw the prices on there, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" Let's let's crowdfund for any rooms. Ten bucks for a Yoshi. <laughs> uh, do you want to touch this meth head, or do you want to save it? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Oh, this is amazing. Woman escapes handcuffs, shoots at deputies with her own gun, right? And this lady's name is Rachel Cray, and she looks eth the fuck out, right? This lady's 36 years old, and uh, basically she was, you know, out front just mething around, crawling around on her hands and knees in someone's yard and barking at the homeowner. So uh, they called the police. And when they pulled up, she was screaming, answer the phone, you let her die, I'm not human, you killed her. She also talked about a child needing a blood transfusion. Oh. Uh, so the deputies put her in cuffs, because she's acting completely erratically, and put her in the back of the patrol car. She wasn't charged, she wasn't detained, they were in the process of, like, taking her to, like, getting ready to take her to the hospital for, like, a medical screening. Uh, she took off her seatbelt, slipped one of her handcuffs, reached through the middle partition, and started hitting random buttons until the she hit the button that unlocked the AR-15 that was in the back seat. And she proceeded to uh, shoot out the front window with the cop's AR, hitting uh, one bystander and two deputies. She uh, put her head down and then just blind-fired nine more times out of the car. And like the video, I, I watched the video, fucking bonkers. The cops are just sitting there, and you just hear pop, 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 pop. And then the with the guy they're talking to, like drops because he's hit. And the cops like, I, I'm hit, I'm hitting the head. Like they're all like violently confused out about what's happening. Obviously, because why would you fucking expect that? But this lady had no charges pressed against her, and now she's has the charge with. Uh, three counts of shooting with the intent to kill and as a bond of $1 million. Man, that's just a hell of a way to go. That's fucking, like... I mean, you're sitting in what you, you think is quite possibly the most secure thing that you could be in. Like, if anything, your cruiser should be your safe your safe place when you're a cop, right? Uh-huh. Uh, I should clarify, they're all standing in front of the cruiser. He's not in the vehicle when this happens. But still... Regardless, they were so close, and then just to get their asses fucking clipped like that, bro. Can you imagine if she would have killed all three of those dudes? Like, oh. she still can't get out of the cruiser, though. So she's just like, still, but frightening. It literally, and it's, I just can't get over the fact that she was just going to go to the hospital. Maybe she had some meth on her and she gets a possession charge. And now she's three counts of attempted murder. Like, yeah, yeah, literally, quite literally. She's uh, taken what was going to be a pretty harmless interaction, turned it up on, I mean, she's on meth. She's not thinking clearly. Exactly, so, exactly. Know, but I'm not 
I'm not going to try and even fathom the thought process that she went through because I'd want it now, but she yeah, thought she was poor, Jason Bourne, dude. Poor, yeah, she was, you know, making poor choices. And, you know, the guy that sitting there in the chair and that stands up and goes, oh my god, it's Jason Bourne. Can you imagine you're just sitting in your house making yourself lunch and you hear some person barking. You walk out front and some meth out lady in your front yard on her hands and knees barking at you like a dog. So you're like, nope. I don't have time for this. No, thank you. Go back inside, lock your door, call the police, right? Please show up. They detain the lady. You go out. You're talking to them. And then she fucking shoots you with an AR-15 from the back of the crew. Yeah, I mean... What the fuck? Clearly high on meth. Yeah. Couldn't make uh, good decisions. Um, It is a little concerning that she was able to get out of the handcuffs, let alone press a button that was capable of releasing the AR-15 for her disposal. So apparently the button was like towards up front near the center console. Uh She just reached through and started like pressing around, you know, seeing what she could do. Uh, I did see that the police officer, the the police department took accountability for the placement of that button. And they said that they're going to retrofit all their cruisers and move that button towards the dash of the car so it couldn't be reached for the back seat. That's not a bad idea. I mean, it, that's honestly kind of surprising for me that they even, like, you, I would kind of imagine from a police department to just kind of gloss over that fact. You know what I mean? But they're, yeah. like, taking accountability and putting up a change. So that's I mean, really a lot, good a lot more people are these days. A lot more people are um, too afraid to deal with all the grief of being canceled and this, that, and the other. Oh, so. not only we have such low relations with law enforcement the past two years so like they're feeling yeah. it on all yeah. sides yeah i mean they're they're human beings too but they're uh they're losing their shit as well I yeah mean, they're they're not the only they're not the only ones neither are we and you know it quickly turned into like an us against them type of vibe just because of the history there and you know the sometimes the illegal overstepping of um, rights that they present to people. I mean, it's all very, um, it's all very problematic. So, craziness. Ready for some assholes? Ass it up. Okay, <clears throat> I'm excited for this first one. Am I the asshole for asking my stepfather to pay rent to the house to live in a house that I own after he asked me to pay rent once I turned 18? I'll be 18 in a couple months. My stepfather of five years gave me the heads up that I need to start paying my fare of rent to continue living in the house after I turn 18. The house we currently live in belonged to my dad who died when I was six. My mom and dad were never married and I inherited the house and my mom and I live here. Then my stepfather moved in after they got married. Looks like my stepfather was under the impression that my mom owns the house. I told him that it's not happening as I own the house. He laughed at me and didn't believe it. I talked to my mom and she confirmed that she had never told him that I own the house. He knows he now knows the truth. So the reality is he believed it was completely fair to ask me to pay rent when he didn't know I own the house. So it's only fair that I ask him to pay rent to me now. I say, yeah, I say, say run that shit. Not the asshole. Make him pay, make that asshole pay rent. So first things first, when I first read this, uh, cause I did read it earlier, which I don't normally do, but I was curious. And, um, one of my biggest issues with it was the 
um, kind of the fact that now that the the dude had married this this kid's mom, he was just coming in demanding rent when he didn't even understand like who the owner, the true owner of the house well, was. He, he couldn't have talked to the mom because I don't see how you have that conversation and don't and she doesn't bring up the fact that he owns the house. Well, yeah, I mean. It, 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 what I'm trying to get across is he shouldn't have even been making that argument. Yes, and I'm and what I'm saying is he obviously didn't consult the mom about that before he even made yeah. the argument. Yeah, if he was going to make the argument, he should have at least done that. Like, yeah, brought it up to her, and then she would have like been like, uh, "Yeah, funny, Actually. he he, own, <laughs> he owns it." So I wouldn't go doing that. Um, but you no, know, he can evict us. You know that he's right? <laughs> he's the new guy, so. <laughs> He's, uh, he thought, you know, he was just getting a free house. I was going to collect some free money off of this poor woman's kid. And uh, in actuality, <laughs> he's like, oh, no, 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 no. You see, here's the thing. You're not the main character of the story. That's actually me. So can you so, imagine the dynamic change in that house? Oh, it has. I, it wouldn't surprise me if this individual was like, honey, we have to move out. We got to get our own house. I would not be surprised if it is similar to the same dynamic that happens when a stepdad and a son fist fight and the stepdad loses. I feel like that same kind of switch happens in this scenario. Yeah, it's just on a very um, I, you know, non-physical level, but right. um, <clears throat> still <clears throat> a very uh, a very funny victory nonetheless. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, as far as charging his stepdad money, <clears throat> the way I'd probably go about it is joke around with him that he has to pay me rent, but I don't think I would actually follow Do through it. on yeah. it. Just because, you know, you're letting your mom live there, and she obviously decided to get remarried, which good on her, uh, but if she's living in your house... and it's your mom you're taking care of her you're a good son you know that's what you do and obviously it sounds like he owns a house so he doesn't technically i guess there's a few specifics in there that i would also kind of like to know like are they buying their own groceries or are they eating your groceries i would uh, just assume that sharing, it's like a normal are they relationship, sharing, parent child are, relationship yeah. are they sharing electrical bills i mean he's probably not paying anything like any child and it's just like that's just a weird little caveat, like a paperwork thing they have to deal with. That that would be my guess, but I have no idea. Well, I don't, we don't know how the old, how old the guy is though either. He said he turns the stepdad or the kid that owns the house. The kid. He turns eighteen in a few months from oh, posting. Okay. So he's not even technically a legal adult. That's what I'm saying. He's like when he time. turns eighteen, he could charge him rent because then he can like actually own. So I don't know. I feel like you could go either way with it. I think it depends on your character and the type of person that you are. I don't think you're an asshole for at least busting his balls over it. And you're probably still not an asshole if you actually made him pay some of the rent too. So that'd be really funny. Like he has to pay. Like and mom doesn't like Oh, you got married? Yeah, you're gonna have to pay me, bitch. <laughs> you wanna fuck me? You wanna fuck my mother? Fuck my mother. <laughs> you fuck her fucking in my house um this next one i didn't read i just read the title read the first line and we're gonna run it 
Corona. Am I the asshole for serving fake meat and pretending it was real? My two daughters are vegetarian, but my husband and son are not. I'm probably what they would call a flexitarian. This lady sounds painful. To be I already around. don't like her. <laughs> I'm a uh, flexitarian. My, They're my just making and, up words. <laughs> my son and husband always turn up their nose at tofu or any other meat alternative. They say it's just weird and that it made to resemble meat is to the really it's really the concept and not the taste there there are no allergies my family and i often make two versions of dinner one meat one real and twice the amount of pots and pans one so one with meat and one without is what i assume that means there's only there's an equal distribution of cleaning and cooking in this house thankfully and my daughters had a fun prank idea of making two pots of spaghetti sauce under the pretense that one was meat they were both soy ground beef the goal here was to see if my their brother and father actually hated the meat to see if they could uh, save on some dishes in the, in the future by combining meals. Everyone uh, loved dinner. Both husband and son finished their plates. Then it was the youngest couldn't hold it in anymore and told them that they, ugh, she, the youngest couldn't hold it in anymore and told them. They both got very upset about being fed something other than what they were told. Am I the asshole? See, reading this, I thought they were going to fuck with the daughters. Like about like haha, you ate real meat, JK. But the fact that they're fucking with the dad and son, I think is funnier. Because if that was me, I, I could see myself like ah, I don't like that just because like the idea of it. And then I'd be so butthurt. I'd be like, well, it's no different than putting a spoonful of cake in front of a a baby's mouth, and then like having like a spoon of peas behind it. You and do it like it a little swaparoo. Little like, and then they're like, "Oh, that's what that tastes like. Give me more." It's a mind game. Uh-huh. They don't like the idea of it. It's not because they don't like the taste or anything. Like she already addressed, so uh-huh. they're being little bitches about it. Right, and especially when opinion. they like, you can't even tell the difference, and you're like, "Yeah, well, fuck you." That's what. When, <laughs> well, like... when prepared properly, I don't mind a little bit of tofu myself. No, I mean um, it's taste is what taste and texture are what I <laughs> worry about. Well, yeah, but I mean, if it's like I said, when prepared properly, right, it's not bad. You go to a place like BB Bop and you decide to get tofu over chicken, you're gonna get the same consistency and flavor just based off of the spices that they put on it. Uh huh. So there's there's that. Well, that's like just the sofritas at Chipotle's tofu. It's delicious. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, this yeah, if it's prepared right. It's good. I yeah. agree, but I just, I can, I don't know. I can almost see myself like being like, I'd be so butthurt. I, me personally, I'd be like, all right. Yeah. Okay. I can, I, I could see that I don't mind now, but like, I would be butthurt. I'd be like, oh, I couldn't tell the difference. And I've been worried about it this whole time for not. No. Yeah. Well, regardless, uh, going to go ahead and say that she's not the asshole here. No. No. That was a surprising twist because, like I said, I was I yeah I thought it'd normally, be the other way around. Normally, I'm not on the anti-meter side, but that was very funny. Yeah, got a couple of dudes who can't take a fucking little fucking uh, interesting little experiment slash joke. You get all offended. You made uh, me eat not meat. <sighs> I'm dying. I can feel it. I'm sitting. It's like yeah. You want to kill me, don't you? Huh. Oh, well, shnikes, mate. You got anything else? I don't think so. It's been a good night, though. Fuck yeah, it's been a really good episode. I had a blast. Uh, join the Facebook group, 
Facebook page, Unwise Analysis Podcast, the Twatter, Unwise Analysis Podcast. Uh, that's it. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll be back next week. We promise. Maybe. Have a nice <laughs> night. Bye. Bye. Bye.